time for more Scott Weinberg on the law on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Attorney Scott Weinberg. Here we are with uh, Bill Johnson. Uh, Bill Johnson is one of our uh, foremost attorneys in town in uh, in the bankruptcy field. He's the owner and manager, uh, director of Acclaim Legal Services. They've got offices actually all over in Warren, Southfield, Dor- Dearborn, and uh, and Flint. And uh, just a little background on him: he's uh, graduated from Detroit College of Law, practiced bankruptcy law really exclusively for 15 years, and now he manages a whole handful of attorneys. Probably done more than uh, 7,000 bankruptcies in many years. Welcome to the show, Bill. How you doing? Good, Scott. Thanks for having me. Bill, boy, I tell you, if there isn't one thing on it, on people's mind in this uh, state, let alone around this country, is how we get into a situation where we just can't seem to dig ourselves out, whether with creditors or obviously we're upside down with our mortgages. And then, of course, people are now really going uh, to the bankruptcy court as a final vestige to uh, to protect themselves. What's going on with our bankruptcy courts? Are they being fair with our consumers in the state, or are they taking advantage of us? No, I think the, the bankruptcy courts are being extremely fair with people. I think there's a lot of advantages to you know using that system that a lot of people just aren't aware of or just you know, don't even think to look at using. Do you find um, now, Bill, do you find now that the stigma of bankruptcy is really different than it was five, even us, just a several years ago because the economy has just crashed so bad, people are so out of work, especially in Michigan, that the stigma that used to be there of, boy, I just don't want that on my credit is uh, is not there anymore? Yeah, I think it's pretty much, it's really changed even drastically in the past year um, I have so many people that are coming to my office who are who are you know professionals who are attorneys who are doctors. I mean, it's just with what's going on in the Michigan economy, it's just permeated itself through through all professional fields. So there's people that are sitting across me who who are you know legitimately saying like, look, this is the absolute last place I ever thought I would be. Explain to our listeners how does it work if you let's say you do have a job and say it's unique in this state that you actually still have your job. So you have your job. Let's say your wife is still working, but how can it's true that some of the times you can't qualify for a chapter uh, seven in this to get rid of your uh, case uh, to get rid of all your debt? Why don't you explain to our listeners the difference between qualifying for a seven or having to go through a payoff on a chapter thirteen? Okay. Well, back in October of two thousand and five, they did a, a major revamping of the bankruptcy laws. When they did that, a lot of people thought the Chapter 7 option had gone away. Well, it didn't. I mean, functionally, 7s and 13s are the same as they've always been. What's changed is, is well, how do you determine, like like your question, how do you determine what program someone should be right. in? Well, they, they created what's known as a means test. And it's based upon total family income, you know, as, as compared to the size of the family, if you're married or if you're single, how many dependents you have. Um, you know, for average, you know, like a, a single individual filer, uh, the median income is right around $43,000 a year. So if you're a single person looking to file a bankruptcy, if you're making above that median income, there's a presumption you should be into a Chapter 13, which is the reorganization plan, meaning that you could probably pay something towards your creditors. Bill, is it easier to, uh, let me interrupt because I, I know that our listeners are so interested in their houses. Is it easier to protect case uh, staying or keeping your house in a chapter 7 or a chapter 13 well if, if you're current on your mortgage 
you could keep it, your your home under a 7 or a 13, provided that if you're filing a Chapter 7, as long as you don't run into what's known as an equity problem, um, that you have an overabundance of, of equity in your home. If, if you own a home and it's worth hundred grand, and you only owe $50,000 on it and you're a single filer, well, you've got 50 grand of equity that you, you, you know, wouldn't be able to totally protect under a Chapter 7. So, you know, a trustee may want to sell the house. But, you know, if you don't have a large equity problem and if you're current on the mortgage, you can keep it under a 7 or a 13. If you're behind on the mortgage, a 13 is the program that you would use to help set up payment terms to get yourself current and, and bring yourself back up to date on the mortgage. Do you find that when you get a uh, client that comes in, let's say that they uh, they do have some equity in the house and they want to protect it, but they obviously have a lot of the debts that the banks are willing to uh, either renegotiate it or um, deal with these creditors to try and uh, allow them to stay on the mortgage so they still get paid? Or are they just satisfied to say, forget it, going to bankruptcy? Um, in regards to the mortgage company's approach to this? Right. Or, or regards to this? Well, the mortgage companies always want to try to keep people in their homes, um, you know, if, if it's at all possible to do so. If we can either come to some terms through Chapter 13 to get a current, um, like I said, I mean, you know, They'll they'll want to do what they can if it's you know if it's at all possible. One of the uh, one of the things that we've dealt with is uh, with clients, and obviously it's not in the in the bankruptcy area, is they'll be involved with um, some type of issue with unemployment. So let's say that they're out of work, they're getting unemployment benefits, but they still have a lot of other debt. Are you able to deal with? Are people able to keep their unemployment even though they go bankrupt? Yeah, sure. How does that work with with the means test? Do they include that in the means test in terms of trying to uh, satisfy a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13? Yes. And when they're looking at the means test, everything's based upon the last six months average of your income from whatever sources that may be. Uh, one of the things they exclude out of the means test would be Social Security income, um, but that's still factored in. The, the means test, actually, it's a two-prong. They look at, like, you know, last six months average of income, and then they also look at, well, what, you know, if you have Social Security income, they'll still factor that in in regards to how it relates to your individual budget, okay? Um, so, you know, it, it's it's not only if you're above or below median income. They also look at if there's other income sources that may not be counted towards the means test, how that would impact your monthly budget if you have any available money left over to pay towards your creditors. You know, I had a client recently that did file uh, Chapter uh, 13, and uh, he had a job. And then during that Chapter 13, of course, lost his job. And um, then he, uh, so he didn't have any money to continue paying the trustee. And he wanted to uh, switch it over and change it into Chapter 7. They wouldn't let him. Is it hard to change it from a Chapter 13 to a Chapter 7? Um, not if it's because of a reduction in income. And, and sometimes, I mean, you just may have to wait a certain period of time. It may take a couple of months. You know, for them to, for their, if their income is trailing downward in order to look at the overall six month average. So sometimes if someone's lost their job and they've, they've had that reduced income for a month, it may not be enough of a reduction that would, would, you know, impact their averaging of their income. So sometimes, you know, you just may have to wait a couple months. What's the average time someone actually has to, has to pay back their creditors? How long do they usually have a chapter 13 for? Chapter 13 runs anywhere from 36 months, which is the minimum time period, up to 60 months, which is the maximum. 
Uh, if you're, you know, use the numbers before, if you're above the median income level and you're sort of forced into filing a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, well, then they'll typically want you to commit to a 60-month plan. You know, I recently also had a, a client who, he called me about it, and actually I'm, I'm going to refer him over to you because obviously you know what you're talking about with it. He uh, he was in a Chapter 13, so he's paying back his creditors or his, through the trustee, and he got a pretty substantial refund check. What happens with that? Do they have to give that over to the bankruptcy court or do they get to keep that? No, typically they're going to want income tax refunds paid into the bankruptcy court. Oh, man, that's um, terrible. <laughs> that's well, yeah, the, but, I mean, it's not an absolute. I mean, sometimes people will go through circumstances that, you know, if something should happen to their home, if, if you know, all of a sudden, you know, they've, they've got a leaky roof or if a vehicle breaks down and they need to have some substantial repairs done to it, um, under certain circumstances, we can actually petition the court to let them keep a portion, if not all, of their refund in order to cover some unexpected expenses. Do you find that the trustee, that basically the courts are reasonable about that, or is it sort of a, a job where they don't even look at the individual? If it's not going to fit, they're not going to deviate from what they want, or they really look individually at every single case or every single client? I found that they've, they've been very reasonable about that, as long as it's a legitimate reason behind doing it. And if you have the right attorney that knows how to, you know, set it up and approach the court and inform them properly, you know, as long as the court's got the information they need to make that determination, they'll typically make the right call. We're talking to uh, Bill Johnson here from Acclaim Legal Services. He's one of the top uh, bankruptcy uh, attorneys in town. Uh, Bill, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is what are the numbers of bankruptcy now? Do you see them still going up or are they sort of leveling off in this economy? Well, I think what you're seeing is you're, you're seeing more Chapter 7s are being filed. Um, the Chapter 13s, which are the reorganizations, you're actually starting to see a, a, a decline in the number of reorganizations that are being filed. Um, that's just because, you know, the reorganization program, is, it's, it's typically referred as a wage earners program. You know, with what's going on in Michigan, a lot of people just aren't qualifying or they just don't have the income to be able to fund them. So they're filing Chapter 7 and just trying to discharge all their debt? Yes, and trying to get out from underneath it. So there's there's more 13s that are going on right now. I'm sorry, more 7s than there are 13s. Well, Bill, thank you very much. Uh, you answered a lot of our questions. If uh, anybody has any other uh, questions, they can call Bill over at uh, Claim Legal Services. I know that uh, he'll take care of you, and quite frankly... Uh, we have any clients? It's exactly where we're going to refer our uh, our clients over to. Bill, thanks for a lot uh, for joining us today, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Okay. Bye now. Well, I tell you, one of the things that uh, that we really have to be careful of in this economy is trying to protect our houses and our incomes, and that is just it's one of the things that I see with clients all the time. They are laid off. They're collecting unemployment. They have another family member that might not be laid off, and they are trying to just save whatever they have. And invariably, you know what happens. Invariably, people will start doing other things in their life that, as a criminal lawyer, I see that we're trying to protect them on after they make other poor decisions. So, for instance, you know, they might have been uh, working, and now, obviously, they're out of work, and they'll start drinking too much, or they'll start... Uh, taking other types of uh, illegal substances, and it's going to reflect in other areas of their life. Clearly, it'll affect their marriage. It'll affect their ability to take care of their kids. 
And we see this throughout our district court, especially with domestic violence and uh, other types of assaults, other types of even just misdemeanors that are, it's sort of a trickle-down effect. You'll have someone who otherwise is being responsible, they're being practical, and then they lose their job, they start uh, suffering more of a depressive state, they start drinking more, which of course just increases their uh, need for or their ability to say, all right, I need something outside of myself to help me. They start drinking. It affects them in terms of picking up uh, other criminal um, criminal charges. They'll get uh, drunk driving, and that'll be a snowball effect going down. They'll get they'll get in a fight with their spouse. They'll get arrested for domestic violence, and it's all starting because they, uh, at least in terms of our local community, things started a snowball rolling downhill, losing their job, losing their income, losing what they felt was their sense of self-worth.